So um, a few days ago, I had a Q&A session and I asked people to comment on books of the Bible that they find confusing or questions they have about Christianity. And I got a lot of questions, which I will be addressing in different videos over time. But one of the questions that I got was that was quite interesting was the concept of the afterlife. What does the Bible actually say about the afterlife? And it's an important question to ask because Considering we've had a lot of mainstream ideas about the afterlife, what it looks like, what's going to happen in hell. I remember one traumatized me when I was young. This lady was, she's from Jehovah Witness. And then she came and then she said, oh, if you die, you're going to go to hellfire. And then one finger will burn for 10 years. And then the next one for another 10 years. And then the next one for another 10 years. So she goes and then says, all my fingers will burn. This is about, I'm talking about 100 years of burning. And then she says, it's going to start all over again. This woman traumatized me with this idea when I was young. But the truth is, which one of these things are actually true? Is this what the afterlife looks like? Especially from a biblical point of view, because I realized that a lot of beliefs about the afterlife are personal, personally influenced or human influenced rather than the Bible. Please don't get me. What I mean in human influence is it's mostly influenced by people's imaginations. But let's look at what the Bible says. I remember we read a lot of printouts, printouts rather, about 21 hours in heaven or eight hours in heaven. Yo, in 2009, those of you who read eight hours in heaven, I'm sure you can raise up your hand. Eight hours in heaven. People read it and you're like, oh, this is what heaven looks like. And then this other woman released a book about three hours in hell. These things were traumatizing. And so, yeah, so what is the, that's why I really want to address this question first. So what does the Bible say about the afterlife? Let's look at it. Um, from the ancient Hebrew time, let's look at the Old Testament first. The, the first picture I want to create is the idea of Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 1 and 2 gives us a picture of what God intended for man. So in the picture of what God intended of man, he's, he created humans, and then he placed them so, so in this picture we're seeing in Genesis 1 and 2, there is communion with God, there is a connection with God, humans are dominating. There is no mention of death. It's just clearly God, man, or God, humans rather, connecting and, you know, having some form of good fellowship. And there was something to do, there was a, uh, there was a life that was in the garden, basically. However, the talk of death did not come on until Genesis chapter 3, when humans decided to reject God's own plan and then decide to choose what is good and what is evil for themselves. And so humans decided to determine their own terms for good and evil. And eventually what happens, that led to the mention of death. And so death did not come on the scene until Genesis chapter 3 when humans rebelled. And that was a huge issue. And so what we see eventually resulting in the concept of death was they were excommunicated from the place of God. There was no communion, no fellowship with God. And then eventually we start seeing the physical deaths happening where the body actually stops functioning after a number of years. So that's, hold that picture. 
in your mind concerning the afterlife. Hold it first, and then, now, let's move. So what did the ancient Hebrews believe about the afterlife? Cons I mean, uh, if you check through consistently, you would realize that there's the mention of the idea of gathering with their people or resting with their ancestors in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the idea of going to be with your ancestors was consistently being uh, mentioned. So uh, Abraham went to gather with his people to be with his ancestors. Uh, you will find the talk of David saying he went to sleep uh, with his own ancestors. So there was a general belief that there is some form of life beyond the physical death of the body. But what happens there is just idea that, oh, you've gone to be with your people. And this is very common also with um, African traditional belief, if you're African, where there's the concept of the ancestors. So in the Old Testament, you find it, it, there is a form of general belief that there is a life beyond there. Actually, it even leads to the concept of Sheol. The Bible mentions the word Sheol, which means a place of departed, or a place of departed spirits, or a place where the departed go. Now, this is not it's relative if not it's not relative basically what it means is uh, whether you're wicked whether you're you're good whether you're evil or righteous you had to go to this place so after death everyone goes to a certain place that is a place of the departed which is called Sheol. so there was some form of general belief in the old testament that there is a life beyond but how it happens or what happens there there's no extra explanation of okay after you die this is what will happen ecclesiastes mentioned something that it is appointed to man to die once and after that there is a judgment so there was a general belief there as a matter of fact they used to have a practice a practice of going to necromancers or mediums people who will consult the dead for them so you basically go there and then you summon the dead uh, maybe to ask questions or to find out things. Now, if you're an African traditional person, this should not be new to you, especially from the European culture. We have that where when somebody dies, um, they, they say, okay, they're going to summon the dead to go find whoever killed the person. It's a practice they have. So, so many cultural beliefs also believe in this, that beyond this physical life, uh, there is, uh, how will I call it, there's a life beyond there, but there's no full description of how it looks like. So the Bible also had that. However, God had to address that particular area because it was a common practice among the pagan uh, culture at the time, people who did not worship Yahweh. And then when Yahweh became consolidated in the book of Exodus, where Yahweh reveals himself to Moses, and then he tells Moses, I've never appeared like this to anybody in the past, not even to Abraham, but now I'm appearing to you. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is me. And then Moses says, what, what should we call you? And Moses, he says, I am that I am, which is where the tetragrammaton YHWH came from, and then it be, uh, adding vowels, and then it becomes Yahweh. So now, he, well, after he's been revealed to the people of Israel, he then tells them, I don't want you to be like the other people, because God is calling out the people of Israel. So I don't want you to be like the way or worship the way the other people would do. So there were uh, instructions about uh, not going to mediums because it was a common practice. So they will go to mediums. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, in verse 11, you will find him mentioning that. Don't go to any of those necromancers or those who inquire of the dead. 
So it was a it was a it was a common practice at the time. So I mean, if you remember the story of Saul and Samuel in Book of First Samuel, where I think First Samuel twenty eight thereabout, you find out when Saul was confused about something, Samuel was already dead. He went to a medium disguised, and then the medium was summoning the spirit of Samuel, summoning from the dead. So they had this idea that there was life beyond it. And of course, these things really did happen, that there was life beyond here. However, the details were not really given as to how it looked like or what exactly was happening in the afterlife. Were they in heaven? This was not a concept at the time. Were they in somewhere? It was just that you were, once you were dead in the body, you're with the people that have gone before. However, later on in the New Testament, we're now going to see a better picture, which is from the person of Jesus. That's why I said, if you hold the Bible to be true, then this is important for you to uh, believe there. But if you don't hold the Bible to be true, then you're subject to every other belief out there. Mind you, in the Old Testament times, they were influenced by a lot of Eastern cultures or ancient uh, Mediterranean cultures, let me use that word, I think I made a mistake there, but ancient East cultures there, or I think the word I'm trying to remember is Mesopotamia, I think that's the word, but anyways, so they were influenced by this, so there were a lot of general beliefs about the afterlife, honestly, lots of them, so, uh, but the Bible does, the Old Testament does not really make it clear what happens there, except for the word Sheol, which means a place of uh, the departed spirit, and sometimes it was used in a way to talk about judgment for the evil people where they will end up, but it's not really clear what happened. However, in the New Testament, uh, which is, I'm going to be reading some parts there, Jesus, I hold that Jesus is God incarnate. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And who better to tell us or give us a glimpse of how the afterlife would look like if not the one who created the whole world? So now, in the by the time we're getting to the New Testament era, we had the Pharisees and the Sadducees. There were there was a general belief among the Pharisees that, or the majority of Jews that. There is resurrection of the dead. That after after death, this physical death, there is a time coming where everyone would rise from the dead. So it was a general belief that they held. However, there were some other sect called the Sadducees who did not believe in this. These people held the idea that there was nothing called angels, there was no resurrection from the dead. Once you, it's basically like a naturalist belief. Once you die, once you die, that's the end of existence. So. They confronted Jesus and asked Jesus a certain question on the day. I think it's in the book of Luke. Uh, let's look at it. I think it's Luke 20. I've been trying to open this part, but sorry, forgive me. So in the book of Luke chapter 20 and verse 27, um, the Bible says some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us, if a, man brothers die, if a man's brothers, brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, a man must marry the widow and have the children for his brother. So there was the practice of marrying the wife of your brother who's dead. So they, they went through the story of talking about, about seven men marry this woman. So they asked Jesus, at resurrection, verse 33, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, the people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in that age. Now, when he's talking about age, age basically means a period of time. 
So when Jesus talks about um, um, eternal life, he's saying, I'm giving you a life unto a certain age, a life that is long. Of course, it's, going to, it's not going to experience death, but it's a life unto a certain period. Now, he says, people of this current age, period that we're in, they give to marry. But in the age that is to come, in a period that is about to start, these people are not given in marriage. They will neither marry nor be given in marriage. That's what the Bible says. And then, but those who are considered worthy of taking part in, this, in that age, in the resurrection from the dead, will neither marry nor be given in marriage. So it then goes further in verse 37. Says, but in the account of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise. For he calls the Lord the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. So we are seeing Jesus also confirming the idea that there is a life beyond after this physical body terminates or is no longer working. There is a consciousness that continues beyond there. And so he says, God is not the God of the dead, he's the God of the living. And they respond and are like, yeah, this is actually a good thing that you've just uh, said. So Jesus gives us, he gives us a glimpse into the idea that yes, there is a life beyond here. And in that life, there is no marriage, but there's recognition, but there's no marriage. Everyone is like, the, we are like the children of God, or we are like the angels. That's what he says. Now, another part where Jesus talks about the afterlife is in the book of, I think, Luke chapter 16, where he was given a parable about the rich man and Lazarus. Luke chapter 16 from verse 19. There is a rich man and then there's a beggar at his gate who constantly stays, uh, sits at the gate. Then after a while, this man dies. So the Bible says in verse 22, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. Oh, now this is a parable, so it's important to not really pay attention to the literals, but also see the message this parable is trying to pass across. So it's the kekin when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, he talks about hell, which is, um, uh, the word hell here is called Hades, which is also similar to Sheol, which means the place of departed spirits, where those who die are departed. But then Jesus gives a sharp contrast here, that there is a place where the people who are in God go to, he gives it Abraham's bosom. And then those who are without God are going to a place of torment. Now, the picture is painting a place of torment. And this guy was going through a lot of torment in that place. And then he goes and says, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your time, blah, blah, blah. Abraham gives a response to this person. Now, this is Jesus giving a parable. And so he says there's a, a, a chasm between us. There is, I'm here, and then you are there. I can't come to where you are. And he then says, okay, please send one of my brothers. Send somebody back from here to warn my brothers. There is, this torment is real. And he says, no, they have Moses, they have the prophet, they have the books. Basically, they have people to witness to them before getting here. So when Jesus is telling to when he's telling this parable, he's clearly showing that the life we have here is as important because it determines what's going to happen in the life after, after this physical body terminates. So Jesus paints this and he says, so those who are with God, who have placed their faith in Christ Jesus, 
definitely have a place they will be going to, which will not be a place of torment. But those who are without God are going to a place of torment. Please notice I'm not really talking about hell here for that moment because there's a reason. In another recording, I'll give some other explanation here, but there's a place of torment that they are held. So Jesus gives a glimpse into the idea that, yes, there is a life beyond there. As a matter of fact, like I said, in eternal life, when he says, whoever believes in me will have eternal life, He's saying this eternal life is basically translated life unto the age, a life for a certain period, and that life will never die. That life will experience no death. It continues to exist eternally. So when Jesus was talking about that when he was, with, um, when he was on the cross, and then they were to crucify two thieves beside him, and one of them believed in him and Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Today. So at his death, he was going to be with the Lord. He was going to be somewhere. The exact picture of how it looks like? No. So a lot of parables Jesus gave about torment, a place of gnashing of teeth, a place of torment. What we just keep seeing that he, that keeps being repeated is the idea that when this physical body dies, it's going somewhere. Uh, the consciousness continues and it's going to be somewhere. So the body may be in the ground, but the consciousness remains somewhere. And it's going to be determined by the kind of life or decision that has been made by the current life or this current age we're in. So if you are with God, you believe and place your faith in him, then you will be somewhere that is without torment, that is going to be comforting. But if you do not place your faith in him, then there's somewhere that is without, that is going to be with torment that the person will be in. So that's the picture he painted. So if we go on further into the Bible, I think in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul now then starts talking about this thing in more details, talking about, um, I mean, Paul was making a defense on resurrection because some people did believe that there was no resurrection and then Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians 15 if Christ did not resurrect that's the whole point of Christianity if Christ did not resurrect then we are of all men most miserable so he talks about how when Jesus died he appeared or when he rose from the dead he appeared to the apostles to 12 and then to 500 people and then lastly to him so there were at least 500 people who saw Jesus after his resurrection, which is a hope we have as Christians. So if you read the entire uh, book of um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if verse 13, it says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been read, raised. rather. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. So there is a resurrection of the dead. So basically after this physical death, the consciousness continues, but there's going to be a time where we will resurrect. However, Paul then gives a very good uh, depiction of this later towards the end of 1 Corinthians 15. He says, um, he says, I declare to you, brothers, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does perishable inherit imperishable. So he's basically saying this body that is perishable Cannot, will not continue into the kingdom of God. Notice it's talking about kingdom of God. We're not talking about heaven or going somewhere. So let's, I'll do that maybe in another video. So he says, uh, in, the, in a flash, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. 
So basically, this body that will that has the capacity to die in this new age that is to come in the kingdom of God, we will take on a new body that is imperishable. So there is a kingdom, there is an age, there's another life after this. And we will take on a new body in that life. And we will be clothed with immortality, which is encapsulating the idea of eternal life. And death will be swallowed up in victory. So there is actually a life beyond here. And Jesus paints that. The, uh, Paul the Apostle in First Thessalonians also talks about, don't be afraid as to the return or this, the coming of our Lord Jesus. Uh, look forward to it with hope because we're going to get rid of this body and we're going to get an immortal body, a body that lives forever. But he keeps emphasizing that in Jesus, Jesus Christ keeps emphasizing that what you do now determines how the afterlife will look like for you. Now, the graphic picture of how it looks like, a lot of it is just left, is not really given. And it's not necessary for us to pursue this idea, honestly, because we will be subjecting ourselves to different predictions. A lot of people have had different ideas, visions. I mean, so many of these things are just Nollywood influence. <laughs> When I mean Hollywood, I mean, they are just influenced by our own fears, our own imagination. Somebody goes, and often your mind plays tricks on you. When you imagine things, that's the same thing that you're going to see in your dreams. And people come out and saw a vision of heaven, I saw a vision of hell. We must understand that visions may not be literal. A lot of it are just symbolic. And we don't have the Bible to validate a lot of people's visions. So let's just stick with what we have in the Bible. And uh, it helps. There's really no, but that, what's going to happen in the afterlife? Well, when we die, we'll find out. Doesn't make sense. But if you believe Jesus to be true, then you're more concerned about the life that you're living here. Because a lot of people put so much focus on the afterlife and they forget that Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven coming here on earth. And we lose track or focus on living our lives according to the kingdom already that has begun. Because Jesus says, if I cast out demon by, my, if by, my, by the finger of God, I cast out this demon, then the kingdom of heaven is, is here already. And we participate in the coming of his kingdom. So the focus should not be, oh, what's going to happen to me in the afterlife? But the focus should be what we do with it. Because Jesus keeps emphasizing this, that what you decide here will determine how the afterlife will look like. But there is life beyond here how it looks like one at all a lot of people take this uh, graphic illustration from book of revelations which is another video that i'll be recording responding to the book of revelations is it really a code that is telling us how the afterlife is going to look like nah, a lot of these things honestly if you go back to the bible and read it very well you would drop a lot of ideologies that you've picked up mainstream if you actually want to go by the bible itself so yeah there is a life beyond here. We continue to hear that. Uh, we see that through scriptures. How that life looks like, we don't have the exact details. Jesus asks us to just focus on the life we have currently now and make the right decisions with this life, uh, with this current age we are in. And then, yes, consciousness, definitely what will happen after we're dead is telling us consciousness continues. This physical body is going to go and then we will resurrect and a lot of us will resurrect into unto eternal life, taking on new bodies that are immortal. And uh, those who are without God have a faith that is full of torment. And that is disastrous. This is what scripture tells us. 
So I hope that's, that answers your question about the afterlife. And uh, I'll respond to the question on revelations in the next video. So God bless you and have a great time.